Today we have the privilege, and I say it's a privilege because those who are willing to leave their home and go to another country to share the gospel, to me they're heroes of the faith. I really believe that. To leave the comfort, leave their families, leave a possibly a really good livelihood and making lots of money, and they're willing to go and answer God's call to go abroad and to share the good news of Christ to those who need it, to those who may have not heard. And we have one of those uh, uh, folks today. And so Drew Robertson, he's a global worker from Lebanon. He, we, we support him through our Converge International Ministries. Let's give a warm welcome to Drew Robertson. Thank you, Pastor Ed. Good morning. It's good to be here with you. Um, for those of you who may not know me, as he said, my name is Drew Robertson. I've been here a couple of times before, um, so I see some familiar faces, and you may recognize me as well. Um, my wife, Sarah, and our three kids live in the Middle Eastern country of Lebanon. Um, we've been there about nine years now, um, and uh, I will share a little bit right now about uh, what's happening there and some of what's going on, but I hope that you can join us. After, for the Connect Group's time, that's when I'll be able to share a little more in detail. Um, I don't want to take too much of our, our message time this morning. Um, but first off, I just want to say thank you. Uh, I want to thank you for your partnership. Um, together, we are serving in the Middle East. This is not just what Drew and Sarah are doing, but it is what the body of Christ is able to do around the world because we partner together as one body. So I thank you for your giving. I thank you for your prayers um, as God is working in the Middle East. And that's the biggest thing I want to communicate this morning, is God is working. God is at work, and lives are being changed. Um, and we praise Him for that. In Converge International Ministries, our vision is that we are asking God for a gospel movement among every least-reached people group in our generation. And that is the vision that we have taken into the Middle East and other workers are going around the world to do, is that we are asking God for movements. And movements only happen when disciples make disciples. When everyone in the church recognizes that they are ambassadors for Christ and they take that to their friends, to their neighbors, and all around the world. And we're going to talk a little bit more about that this morning. I want to take a moment here to play a short little video that will give you kind of a picture um, literal picture of where we are and what we're a part of, um, and then we'll continue on this morning. Again, that is something that we do together. We ask God for this God-sized vision, that he would have disciples who make disciples who make disciples. Movements don't happen unless there is multiplication, and movements don't typically happen quickly. Um, we talk a lot about in, in missiological circles of, of this rapid multiplication. And that is, a, that is the goal, that is something that we desire to see, but that doesn't happen from day one. We, have to, we say we have to go slow in order to go fast. That if we lay a good foundation, if we lay a foundation of people who know and trust Jesus and follow him and take the Bible seriously that we will begin to reproduce, we will begin to multiply. And that's the vision that we have for the work happening in the Middle East. You saw in the video a couple pictures of some of our local partners and, and the national pastors, and, and they are absolutely key for seeing this vision come to, come to fruition. 
and I want to ask that you continue to pray for them. If you're able to stick around for the connect groups afterwards, I'll be able to share some specific stories of individuals um, and people that I know and love in Lebanon and and, uh, would love to just share some of their stories with you. But I do want to turn to Scripture this morning. And I want to ask you guys to open your Bibles with me to Acts chapter 10. And we're going to be looking this morning at a really important story in the development of the early church. Acts chapter 10 is a turning point in the book of Acts. And it takes the church as it began, and we begin to see it take shape into what we know it as today. After Pentecost, when the Holy Spirit came upon the disciples, they began to boldly proclaim the name of Jesus to all of those around them. And God was saving souls. Day of Pentecost, 3,000 came to believe in him. And numbers were being added to that day by day. The church was growing. God was being glorified. Everything that we desire to see in our churches today was happening in the early church at that time in exponential numbers. But all of this was happening within one people group. You see, up until Acts chapter 10, the disciples had not shared the gospel with anyone outside of the family of God, outside of the Jewish nation. And so God was multiplying the church and it was growing, but it was only growing within and among those from Jewish backgrounds. And the disciples thought that's what God wanted. That was the plan, that God was coming to save his people, as in the Israelites, and point them towards salvation in Jesus. But God's plan was so much bigger than what they thought. And I want us to remember that this morning, that God's plans are usually so much bigger than we think, so much bigger than we can even imagine. And that's what was happening to the early church. And this shouldn't have come as anything new. Oftentimes the disciples thought Jesus was about to do something only for him to do something far greater and far outside of their comfort zone and what they thought was going to happen. And so we turn to Acts chapter 10, and we see a story about a man named Cornelius, and how God uses this man named Cornelius, a Roman soldier, to change the entire early church, to change the trajectory of the church, and to change the heart of his disciples. So let's read together Acts chapter 10. I want you to hang with me here. We are going to read the entirety of Acts chapter 10. At Caesarea, there was a man named Cornelius, a centurion of what was known as the Italian cohort, a devout man who feared God with all of his household. He gave alms generously to the people and prayed continually to God. About the ninth hour of the day, we saw clearly, he saw clearly in a vision an angel of God come in and say to him, Cornelius. And he stared at him in terror and said, What is it, Lord? And he said to him, Your prayers and your alms have ascended as a memorial before God. 
Now, send men to Joppa and bring one Simon, who is called Peter. He is lodging with one Simon, a tanner, whose house is by the sea. And when the angel, spoke to him, the angel who spoke to him had departed, he called two of his servants and a devout soldier from among those who attended him. And having related everything to them, he sent them to Joppa. The next day, as they were on their journey and approaching the city, Peter went up on a house, housetop about the sixth hour to pray. And he became hungry and wanted something to eat. But while they were preparing it, he fell into a trance. And he saw the heavens opened up, and something like a great sheet descending, being let down by its four corners upon the earth. And in it were all kinds of animals and reptiles and birds of the air. And there came a voice to him, Rise, Peter, kill and eat. But Peter said, By no means, Lord, for I have never eaten anything that is common or unclean. And the voice came to him again a second time. What God has made clean, do not call common. This happened three times. And the thing was taken up at once to heaven. Now when Peter was inwardly perplexed as to what this vision he had seen might mean, behold, the men who were sent by Cornelius, having made inquiry for Simon's house, stood at the gate. And they called out to ask whether Simon, who was called Peter, was lodging there. And while Peter was pondering the vision, the Spirit said to him, Behold, three men are looking for you. Rise and go down and accompany them without hesitation, for I have sent them. And Peter went down to the men and said, I am the one you are looking for. What is the reason for your coming? And they said, Cornelius, a centurion, an upright and God-fearing man who is well spoken of by the whole Jewish nation, was directed by a holy angel to send for you to come to his house and to hear what you have to say. So he invited them in to be his guests. The next day he rose and went away with them, and some of the brothers from Joppa accompanied him. On the following day they entered Caesarea. Cornelius was expecting them and had called together his relatives and close friends. When Peter entered, Cornelius met him and fell down at his feet and worshipped him. But Peter lifted him up, saying, Stand up, I too am a man. And as he talked with him, he went in and found many persons gathered. And he said to them, You yourselves know how unlawful it is for a Jew to associate with or visit anyone of another nation. But God has shown me that I should not call any person common or unclean. And so when I was sent for, I came without objection. And I asked then why you sent for me. Cornelius said, Four days ago about this hour I was praying in my house at the ninth hour. And behold, a man stood before me in bright clothing and said, Cornelius, your prayer has been heard and your alms have been remembered before God. Send therefore to Joppa and ask for Simon, who is called Peter. He's lodging in the house of Simon a tanner by the sea. And so I sent for you at once and you have been kind enough to come. And now, therefore, we are all here in the presence of God to hear all that you have been commanded by the Lord. And so Peter opened his mouth and said, Truly I understand that God shows no partiality, but in every nation anyone who fears him and does what is right is acceptable to him. As for the word that he sent to Israel, preaching good news of peace through Jesus Christ, he is Lord of all. 
You yourselves know what happened throughout all Judea, beginning from Galilee after the baptism that John proclaimed, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. And he went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. And we are witnesses of all that he did in the country of the Jews and in Jerusalem. And they put him to death by hanging him on a tree. But God raised him on the third day and made him to appear, not to all people, but to us who have been chosen by God as witnesses, who ate and drank with him after he rose from the dead. And he commanded us to preach to the people and to testify that he is the one appointed by God to be judge of the living and the dead. To him, all the prophets bear witness that everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins through his name. While Peter was still saying these things, the Holy Spirit fell on all who heard the word. And the believers from among the circumcised who had come with Peter were amazed because the gift of the Holy Spirit was poured out even on the Gentiles. For they were hearing them speaking in tongues and extolling God. And Peter declared, Can anyone withhold water for baptizing these people who have received the Holy Spirit just as we have? And he commanded them to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. And then they asked him to remain for some days. This morning I've titled our message, Yes, Even Them. So as we start out this morning, I want you to think about who are the them in your life? When you hear the word them, who do you think about? The people who look different than you, who act different than you, who think different than you, who are across some sort of divide, some sort of line. You say, I'm not sure that God wants to save them. I know he came for us. I know he came for my family and the people that I love and I want them to hear, but even them? For the early church, that was the Gentile people. They knew that God had come and had sent Jesus to save his people. But them? The Gentiles, those people who were far from God, who worshipped all these other gods, we were supposed to be different from them. We were supposed to be separated from them. Does God really want to save them? And so our story begins with one of them, a man named Cornelius. And Cornelius was a good man. He was a Roman soldier, a centurion, meaning he was over a hundred men. But he feared God. He believed in God. And he tried to do what was right. He would give of his own money to help the poor. And he would pray to this God that he was trying to serve. But Cornelius' understanding of God was incomplete. He did not know the message that Jesus was the Messiah. That the salvation from Jesus was available to him. And so God comes to him in a dream. Now, it's not unique for God to speak throughout Scripture through dreams and visions. All throughout the Old Testament and the New, we see examples of God speaking through dreams and visions. 
But yet, for some reason today, we seem to think that doesn't really happen anymore. I cannot say that I personally have had a dream that is 100% from God, where God spoke to me, but I know many people who have. In fact, in the, in the Middle East, in the place where I live, many people, probably more people, who come to know Jesus from Muslim backgrounds, there is a dream in their story, more often than not. The vast majority of people who have come to faith from Muslim backgrounds, at some point along their journey, they had a dream. God is speaking even through dreams. For some reason, it is happening more in their culture than ours, but it is not unique to only one part of the world either. But anytime I, go, I speak about dreams or anytime we talk about dreams and God speaking through dreams, we must always give a caveat. If you have a dream that contradicts the Bible, that contradicts this book, that does not go along with the word that God has already given us, that dream is not from God. But if it agrees with Scripture... Why couldn't God speak to us in that way? And so God comes and he speaks to Cornelius through this dream. Now Cornelius was a man whose heart was ready. He was ready to hear what God had to say. He was ready to receive the gospel. And so when God comes to him, he could have just told him everything. He could have come to him and said, Cornelius... I have already sent my son, Jesus. He is the way in which you can receive salvation. Turn and follow him. And I believe that Cornelius and his household would have done so. His heart was there. It was ready. But again, God's plans were bigger than that. God's plans were bigger than just Cornelius and his family. Yes, he wanted to save them, but through them, he wanted to change the church. And so instead of giving Cornelius all of the answers, he simply tells him, there's a man in the city of Joppa, his name is Peter, go find him and listen to whatever he tells you. And so Cornelius obeys, sends three men to Joppa to find this Simon who is called Peter, who is staying with Simon, who is a tanner, whose house is by the sea, gives him these kind of roundabout instructions on how to get to his home. And I love that part of the, the story because culturally, even today in the Middle East, that's how we would find somebody. We have addresses. Like, I have an address I could give you if you wanted to send mail, but we don't really use them. Say, oh, he lives in this village. Um, and he lives down the, the street from, from Abu Joseph. And, and, and you talk to different people in the village, and everybody knows everybody, so they know where this person or that person lives. So as these people entered into the city of Joppa, it would have been very easy to say, we're looking for a house near the sea, a man named Simon who's a tanner. Um, and oh, yeah, yeah, he's down here. Take a right and a left, and you would find it. And then there was this man who's staying with him named Simon Peter. And so these men head out, and they're going to look for him. About the same time, Peter himself is also having a dream. God is demonstrating how he wants to speak in this story. But Peter's dream requires a little more interpretation. It's not quite as cut and dry as go talk to this man and listen to him. So in Peter's dream, he's up on the roof, 
It's lunchtime. He's hungry. And I love that God then uses his experiences to speak to him. And so he gives him this dream about food. And this sheet comes down from heaven, and there's all of these animals on the sheet. And he says to Peter, rise, kill, and eat. He's hungry. He puts a feast in front of him. But as Peter looks at the sheet and he looks at all of the animals, he realizes that every single one of them is forbidden for him to eat. He can't touch them. They're all unclean. And this dream is beginning to look more like a nightmare. And so Peter, never one to hold his tongue, responds immediately, by no means. No way. I would never eat from any of those things. I think he thinks that God is giving him a test. I know how hungry you are. I know that you really want to eat. Here is all of this food. And I think he's testing him. Oh, are you a good Jew? Are you going to follow all of the laws? But that's not what God is doing. And so three times he tells Peter, rise, kill, and eat. And then the sheet is taken up from heaven. And Peter awakes. And it says that Peter was still inwardly perplexed as to what was going on. He didn't quite get it yet. He's still trying to think through what could he be talking about? What was the purpose of this dream? He needs to remember one thing that God said. And it will come back to him later. In verse 15... God says, um, what God has made clean, do not call common. He's beginning to show Peter that something that he thought was impossible, something that he thought was outside of, of what God was calling him to do, is exactly what he wanted from him. Peter will put the pieces together a little later in the story. Because God wants Peter to begin to understand that the old Jewish laws were not as important as God's plans. They had served a purpose for a time, but now God was about to do something bigger than even Peter thought possible. And so he wakes up, and there are three Gentile men at the gate who had come from Caesarea and are asking for Peter. And so they tell him about Cornelius. And I think it's starting to make sense. Things are starting to click. Mm. This dream was not about food. It was about something bigger. And so Peter goes with the men to Caesarea. And in verse 28, we begin to see the similarities of the situation that he is now in and the dream that he had. And Peter says to the people, to the family of Cornelius when he arrives, he says to them in verse 28, he says, You know that it is unlawful for me to visit anyone from another nation. Let's stop right there for a moment. It is unlawful, it is forbidden for him to visit a home of someone who is not a Jew. Just like it was forbidden for him to eat any of these unclean animals. But God has shown me, he says, that I should not call any person common or unclean. Peter has switched out the food 
for the people. And he realizes that God was trying to say, this gospel that I have given you, this message of hope and of salvation is for all people, yes, even them. Even those people that you thought were outside of God's love, you thought were outside of God's promise, or outside of God's salvation. So in verse 35, Peter says, In every nation, I now know, he says, I understand that God shows no partiality. And in every nation, anyone who fears God and does what is right is acceptable to him. Now I want to take a moment on this phrase. And I want to point out that what Peter did not say here. He did not say that anyone who fears God and does what is right will be saved. But that they would be acceptable to God. Because prior to this, he thought only people who were from Jewish backgrounds, from Jewish families, were acceptable to God. There was still then the fact that they needed to believe in Jesus, but they couldn't even get there if they were not acceptable, if they were not from the right family. But he now understands that no matter where you are from, no matter what language you speak, no matter what color of skin you have, no matter what background your family is, that if you come to God, He will hear your prayers. He will accept you. And He will lead you down the path of salvation. God had heard Cornelius' prayers, despite the fact that he was a Gentile, despite the fact that he was a Roman, he had heard his prayers, and he came to him to point him towards Jesus. The key here is that Peter is recognizing that God will not, only, will not do this not only for people from Jewish backgrounds, but among every nation. We must never discount anybody because of their race or religion or ethnicity or language and think that they cannot come to know Jesus. Think that they cannot turn and follow him. Right now, God is speaking to men and women all over the world. People in our region of the world who are trying desperately to follow God, who love God, and fear God, and want to serve God, and are doing everything that they can possibly do in order to please God. But the problem is, they do not have a proper understanding of God. They do not know who God really is. They do not see Him and understand Him as He was revealed to us in the Bible. They do not know Jesus. And so despite all of their efforts, despite how much they want to serve God, they cannot know salvation because they do not know Jesus. And this was Cornelius' position. He loved God. He prayed to God. He gave from his own pocket to serve God. But because he did not know Jesus, he did not know salvation. As Peter had said earlier in Acts chapter 4, there's no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. 
We need to hear the name of Jesus. We need to know the name of Jesus. People all over the world need to hear the name of Jesus. But back to this time and in this story, herein lies the problem. How was Cornelius ever to hear the name of Jesus when up until that point, all of the followers of Jesus were Jews? And as Peter just said, it was forbidden for Jews to go and visit the home of a non-Jew. So how was someone from outside of the Jewish family ever to hear the truth about Jesus if they were forbidden from visiting them? They would never have dreamed to go to a Roman soldier and his family and share with them about Jesus. Had God not appeared in a dream to both of these men at separate times and brought them together, Cornelius would have died searching for the truth that his neighbors already knew but were unwilling to give him. Take this story as a parable that teaches this truth. There was a man who had a sick daughter. And as any good father... This man desired desperately to find the medicine that could cure his daughter. And he went searching, home to home, city to city, all around the world he went searching for the medicine to cure his daughter. He knew it was out there. He believed that there was a way that his daughter could be healed. And he went searching and searching and searching, trying to find the medicine, trying to find the one way to save his daughter and heal her. Day after day, he traveled around searching. And all of the while, his next-door neighbor had the very medicine that he was looking for. His neighbor knew that the man was searching. He knew the man needed this medicine. But he never stepped foot outside of his home or spoke to his neighbor. All he had to do was walk next door and give her the medicine But as long as he said, that medicine is for me and my family, that medicine is in case we might need it, or those that I am close to might need it, as long as he stayed home, this little girl would die, despite the fact that all she needed was right there. The salvation that she needed was right there. Church, we have the medicine. We have the medicine that our world desperately needs But if we do not give it to them, how will they ever hear it? How will they ever receive it? God has chosen his church to be his ambassadors to the world, across the street and around the world. He has chosen each and every one of us who call ourselves followers of Jesus to take that message and to share it with those around us, those that are like us, and yes, even them the ones who are not like us, the ones who might revile us or talk against us or make fun of us. Yes, even them, we need to share the hope of Jesus Christ with them. All around you, people are searching for truth. They're searching for hope. They're searching for life. They're searching for God. They may not call it that. They may not even recognize that. But as they are searching for all of these meanings and hope, they're really searching for truth in God. 
But they can never know the hope of salvation unless they know Jesus. And if we refuse to step outside of our comfort zones, to go to even them, they will never know about Jesus. And they will spend an eternity separated from him. In verse 43, Peter says, Everyone who believes in him, this Jesus of Nazareth that he was speaking of, receives forgiveness of sins through his name. This is salvation. It comes from knowing Jesus. Cornelius' heart was right. He was open, and God accepted his prayers. But until he believed in Jesus, there was no salvation. But God gave him forgiveness of his sin when he believed and turned to follow Jesus, just as he gives each and every one of us. But as Paul points out in Romans chapter 10, he says, For everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. But then he continues, How then will they call on him whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without somebody preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. Peter listened. He responded, and he did something that wasn't easy. It was not easy for him to go into the home of a Gentile. Peter was a good Jew. This was not easy. But he knew that God was calling him to do it, and he responded. He listened, and he obeyed. It was outside of his comfort zone. But he knew it's what God was calling him to do. So I want to ask you this morning, how do you need to step outside of your comfort zone? Who is God laying on your heart today that you need to tell about the hope of the gospel of Jesus Christ? You are the neighbor who has the medicine. Will you step outside of what is safe, of what is easy, of what is comfortable? Will you step outside and go even to them and tell them of the hope that you have in Jesus, of the hope that is available for them? Maybe it's a friend. Maybe it's a neighbor. Maybe it's someone... You rarely see, but every now and then you cross paths. Or maybe it's an entire people group somewhere in the world that God is laying on your heart today. Go. Go and tell them the good news of Jesus Christ. It may not be easy. In fact, it will undoubtedly be hard. But rather than being happy in our little corner and our group of people who look, think, and act just like us, God's calling you today to step outside of your comfort zone and to take the truth of the gospel all around the world. Because God's plans are bigger and greater than what we had imagined. 
It's time that we got on board with God's agenda rather than trying to get Him to get on board with ours. We must always remember that we were created for God. God was not created for us. It is our job to serve Him, to love Him, and it is our job to be His ambassadors to this world, to tell them of the hope of Jesus Christ. That is not the job of just the global workers or just the pastors. It is the job of all who call themselves followers of Jesus Christ. You have been given the same spirit. We have all been given the same spirit to lead us and share of the hope of Jesus Christ with those around us. So what now? What is God calling you to do in response to this truth? Is he calling you to go and talk to that friend this week? Is he calling you to pursue international ministries? And go to a people who have previously never heard of the name of Jesus, who don't even have anyone who speaks their language who also knows Jesus. Maybe God is calling you to prepare to go and to share with them that hope. God is ready. He's ready to tell men and women from every tribe, tongue, and nation the good news of Jesus. And he has chosen you to make that happen. Each and every one of us are God's chosen instruments to take his hope and his gospel to the world, to those who look like us, think like us, act like us, and yes, even to them whoever them may be. Let's pray this morning. Father God, we love you. We thank you that you desire to save all people, that the hope of your gospel is for all people. So God, I thank you that you have given us the truth that you have revealed to us who your son is. And that if we believe in him, salvation is available to all. God, even this morning, salvation is available to all who believe if we just put our faith in you. So Lord, I pray for anybody who has not put their faith in Jesus Christ, who has not surrendered their heart fully to him, that they would do so today. And God, I pray for all of us who call ourselves followers of you, that you would give us your supernatural strength. You would give us your Holy Spirit, that you would lead us to take the gospel, yes, even to them, to all those who have never heard. You are mighty to save, Lord Jesus. You are able to save. Help us to obey your word, to follow you faithfully in all that we do. In your name I pray, amen.